Join us for the ETF.com Awards on May 2nd in New York City to honor and celebrate innovation, excellence, and growth in the ETF industry. With an impressive panel of expert judges, a record number of nominees, and more than 200 of the most influential players in the ETF space, this is one event you won't want to miss. Reserve your seat today at awards.etf.com. Hi, I'm Heather Bell, and welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs, where we get together every other week to talk shop with some of the smartest women in ETFs. Today, I'm speaking with Cynthia Murphy, Director of Research for ETF Think Tank. Hi, Cynthia. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's really good to have you back. Hey, Heather. I'm excited to be here. You wrote a really interesting article um, about inflation and the next CPI is scheduled to be released the day this podcast posts. Um, You want to kind of give an overview of what you were talking about in that article? A few things stood out to me, but I'm curious as to, you know, what you view as the highlights. Yeah, so the reason why I took a minute or two to look into the inflation uh, conversation from the ETF perspective and and all the inflation ETFs that we've seen come to market in the last year or so is for one, because I'm sure you've you've seen the same thing. There's been so much uh, conversation about inflation within advisory space and clients. When we were in Miami just over a month ago at the exchange conference, every advisor I talked to, and when you ask, you know, what are the conversations they're having? What are clients asking about? Inflation was always the answer. So there is this, you know, focus on inflation, as we all know. And In the ETF space, we've seen so much product innovation in that space. There's like at least 15 ETFs today that have inflation on the name. They're somehow playing either an inflation protection, an inflation hedge, an inflation beneficiary type of story, but basically inflation centric. And and then you have other ETFs that, you know, are either interest rate uh, based uh, conversations. And uh, the point is the ETF industry went all out there and tried to provide all these new products to to help investors navigate this high inflationary environment we've had. And uh, not only it's, it's cool to see from the product innovation side, all the new tools that we have, but it's also interesting to see that I think asset gathering that space has been so incredibly slow. And so I've been trying to understand why is it that the topic most people are worried about right now uh, is one that is not reflected in how the assets are flowing into these tools that set out to solve for that problem? So I just wanted to look at some of the numbers and trying to understand what's in the space, uh, what's happening, what's the opportunity, and uh, you know, dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, it was a really uh, just interesting article. I One of the things that stood out to me was you cited the Bank of America stat that um, after a developed market hits like 5% inflation, it takes a decade for it to get back to 2%. Yeah, I think it was a a, a note they sent out to clients. It made the, the news cycle um, a short while back and uh, everyone was talking about what that statistic because, you know, on some way, I think by mid last year or towards the fall, we saw people just kind of maybe, you know, that's it. Inflation has peaked. We're done with the story. Moving on. Uh, I think that Bank of America note really put in perspective the fact that 
maybe it's peaked, maybe it's not going higher, but that doesn't mean it's going away. And what does it mean to invest in a period of sticky inflation, of, you know, higher for longer inflation? And so it's in that perspective, I think there's still an opportunity here for a lot of these inflation-specific ETFs. And I'm really curious to see if investors will, will come back to this theme with a different perspective. This isn't just about combating an inflation number that's going up. It's really about hedging for that inflation erosive power in your portfolio for a longer time. So it would be really curious to see if these ETFs find their space uh, and uh, which ones do. Because if you look at the, the inflation-specific ETFs, no two are alike. It's kind of fascinating, actually, for a, for a theme. You have an inf uh, inflation ETFs are exclusively uh, investing in equities. So companies that they say will benefit from inflationary environments, you know, like mining stocks or producers, some real estate names, that kind of stuff. Then you have ETFs that are completely in derivatives, lots of futures contracts, some fixed income exposure, tips, some of your more classic uh, inflation hedged type of play. And then you have inflation ETFs that are all about commodity and real asset type exposures, gold and agriculture, and, you know, all futures contracts based. And then you have some that even mix crypto in there. Um, you know, iWin is one of them. Wisdom Tree has an all commodity ETF, GCC, that also has Bitcoin uh, futures in there. So this idea of commodity commodities and crypto and real assets type of way to, to hedge against inflation. So not only is a theme that's kind of um, interesting and kind of difficult to navigate, but it's one where in the ETF space, the solutions are so different from one another. You really have to have a view on what it is that you're trying to do and how, you know, a type of allocation to any of these funds would interact with everything else you have in your portfolio to make sure you're actually hedging that that inflation risk. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree on, you know, just the like wide range of strategies represented by these funds. Like you said, there's commodities focused, there's fixed income and there's equity. And I think uh, PPI, uh, the Access Astoria Fund is uh, a multi-asset fund and it can invest in like other ETFs, equities. And uh, like, I think some of the ETFs are physical commodities, some are future commodity futures, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, what's cool is uh, one of the things um, that uh, I also added in that piece that I thought was really interesting was, and we've covered at, you know, at ETF.com before uh, on the years I was there, which were many, <laughs> the State Street um, Advisor Impact Surveys. And it was interesting that, you know, they found in their latest research that not only clients, that inflation is a top concern among clients working with financial advisors today, it's something like percent of them said, yes, inflation is keeping me up at night. But um, more than 80% of them said, hey, working with a financial advisor has made all the difference in how confident and, and calm I felt investing in this period of challenging inflation and uh, you know rising rates and, and all these things. So it's um, is definitely a theme that people are seem to be trying to figure out what do you do and how is the best way to hedge this risk here. And if you think about elastic, say that this this historical 
baggage of, you know, it will take 10 years to get back to 2% holds true in this next cycle. And Bank of America is right. And we're looking at a decade of, of high persistent inflation. Then this is all about diversification. It is about hedging that risk. Um, so it, it could be still an interesting decade for, for these products. It just has been a surprisingly slow start for sure. Totally. Yeah, that 74% um, reporting that inflation was their top concern was really interesting to me. And like you've said, it really does kind of make me wonder why there hasn't been more flows into these funds. Um, like the largest is uh, the Horizon Kinetics ETF, INFL, I think it's got like 1.2 billion. And then after that, it's like a JP Morgan JCPI, a fixed income fund that has the most assets, like almost a billion. Um, it, it's it's very interesting that these funds haven't really gathered assets. Um, yeah, it's uh, I think, you know, maybe tells us something more about uh, thematic investing than it does actually specifically about inflation. So, you know, where are most of the assets on the first to market INFL? So when it comes to themes, being the first one out of the gate sometimes is all it takes. Um, you capture that um, initial appetite for this kind of very focused thematic reach and everybody else just becomes everybody else. Uh, and maybe it also tells us that, you know, it's really difficult as a provider to capture a theme uh, at the right time, at the right place. You know, we see this all the time. You, you have to hit while it's hot. You have to be first. Uh, you have no idea how long that theme is going to be uh, in everybody's minds. Uh, thematic ETFs have this kind of maybe difficulty uh, with staying power because themes can be so fleeting. But I, I think what's also interesting is, you know, maybe it's because most people combated inflation through equities. Maybe they, you know, just that flow we saw last year into value ETFs, big time dividend payers, you know, your quality names. Uh, we saw a lot of money go into specific types of bonds, like either floaters or really short term bonds. Uh, maybe that sufficed to a lot of people, like just you know trying to combat hedge against inflation by staying aw away from growth, staying away from long duration, the types of assets that really struggle, and uh, there hasn't been really a need to to add a very specific building block of inflation focused you know an ETF in the portfolio. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's fascinating because I would have thought these funds would have had an easy time gathering assets because that's all we talk about is inflation and rising rates. And there's a lot of great inflation ETFs, a lot of great interest rate hedging ETFs. And um, I am curious to see if uh, they'll have a second leg of asset gathering. I kind of wonder if maybe it's simply a complicated story to sell to the audience when there are sort of inflation resistant uh, sectors and uh, bond categories that investors or advisors can rotate their clients into without, like you said, having to resort to uh, very specific strategies um, like that. Yeah, probably. Uh, we know complexity is always a hard sell. And, you know, if you look at the rising rate focused ETFs, I mean, 
Simplify has a great one, Pfix, but you have to sit and understand convexity and, uh, you know, really put a minute there to, to know what that fund does in the inflation space. Not only you have to understand how these things all correlate or don't correlate to each other, all the different assets. Why have crypto or not crypto? Do I do commodities or do I do bonds and derivatives? But there's so many different approaches and you have to figure out what is even the best approach to combat inflation? And so it it's a big learning curve, perhaps, for something that we haven't really worried about in 40 years or however long we haven't had any inflation to really worry about. So maybe it was just one step too far. And it's just been an easier conversation to have with go with the classics, go with commodities and, you know, short term bonds or gold or or these assets that uh, people are more comfortable with. But sometimes, but to that end, that's why I, I am hopeful that there is another wave here as we get more comfortable with this inflation is here to stay and, and we evolve the conversation past that initial shock of, oh my gosh, how high is inflation going to go? Now that we're past that, maybe we can actually sit down and, and really evaluate some of these ways to invest for this environment for a longer term uh, with some different tools and, and, you know, take time to do more due diligence. I don't know. It, it's, it seems almost a shame to have this much product innovation on a theme that's so important, um, struggle so much to find traction. I, I think it's, uh, it, it would be interesting to see. I mean, obviously the, the elephant in the room is none of these funds have had stellar performance or I shouldn't say none, but most of them, I think, you know, there's this, a sense that if I am going to buy, you know, shares on a fund that is designed to combat inflation and that fund is underperforming the rate of inflation, you know, your gut reaction is, why do I even own this thing? But I think that goes back to the education. These things aren't designed to outperform inflation. They're designed primarily to diversify for inflation. So you're looking for correlations, you're looking for volatility, all these things. So Hopefully, these are all things that as we keep talking about them and exploring the, the ways to access this this topic, uh, we we get more into the ETFs. I don't know. I guess time will tell. I think they'll, they'll probably attract more assets once people get over, or investors get over the idea that inflation is transitory. I mean, it, we haven't seen it in our lifetimes, so... I think it, there is that learning curve with regard to inflation and what it does. Yeah, I cannot imagine that if 75% of investors work with an advisor today, their top concern is inflation and advisors are helping them solve for that problem through ETFs, that that won't happen. I mean, at some point, um, I think there is really an opportunity here for these funds. But, I, you know, maybe they're not telling their story well. Maybe... We're not paying attention enough to them. Uh, maybe so many things happen, as you know. You know, ETFs aren't bought; they're sold. So it, a lot of it is getting out there and telling that story. And maybe we haven't heard the story enough from all of these funds. I don't know. I I really do think it's like they haven't hit that three year mark. I don't think even INFL has hit that yet. Oh, I know they're yeah, they're small, they're new. Not all of them are small, but um, they're new. And you know, in general, we know advisors don't love new things. Don't nobody wants to be the first <laughs> into anything. So I guess inflation is proving to be a theme that, like all others, um, takes time. Could be a paradigm shift. 
Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you're observing in the markets lately that you think is interesting to talk about? Um, I think everything about ETFs is interesting. <laughs> uh, I guess the only, the, the maybe as a final point, it's been a slow year so far, and, and I'm sure you've watched that more closely than I do because you guys at ETF.com do the best job in this industry of tracking asset flows, but it's been a pretty slow year for asset flows, I think, in general, uh, especially for equity ETFs. So I'm just, uh, I've been just watching that because we've seen in good years and in bad years in terms of market action, ETFs always tend to really stand out as the way people come to invest and reallocate and reposition. So I, I heard recently somebody say one of the days when the market was going crazy and all the assets were going into risk off strategies and, and somebody said on some, um, maybe it was on Bloomberg or one of the financial shows, you know, this is the market finally stopping to fight the Fed. And so this this acceptance that the Fed remains hawkish, the Fed's going to do what he has to do, no matter how much pain it inflicts, and the market is finally realizing that. So if you assume for a second that that's true, it, sh it will be interesting to see what that means in terms of ETF flows, where the money gets reallocated, how do people play, does it, you know... Do we see money being parked into cash? Do we see people taking chances on riskier assets? So I, I, I just always, I love to see how how investors position for, for these markets. And I think it's been a little bit slow this year, which in itself says something about, you know, maybe hesitation on where to allocate. And um, I'm, I'll be watching and see what we can we can learn from that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like last year, everybody was like, oh, the Fed's done raising rates. We can invest in equities. And then the Fed raised rates again. And they just kept it, it was like a stop and start. Like, oh, wait, inflation's over. The Fed's easing off. Oh, wait, no, it isn't. And I think, like you said, this year is just kind of like an acceptance that, yeah, the Fed's going to do what it's going to do. And it really isn't going to pay attention to the market. Yeah, the last two days, the last two days of Powell testimony, I mean... There was no ifs and buts about it. It was, you know, we are going to do what has to be done. We're going to increase rates as long as is necessary. It may be higher than previously thought. We may be more aggressive than previously expected. I mean, the language was there. Uh, they're not messing around. They're going to bring this inflation down no matter what they break. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's, uh, I think all those flows into QQQ are starting to, to, to think twice or we'll see what happens, right? Yeah. I think, I think it kind of harks back to uh, Greenspan's irrational exuberance uh, warning years ago. So we will have to end it there. Thanks so much, Cynthia. This has been awesome. Listeners, thanks for joining us as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For all episodes of ETF Working Lunch, please check out ETF.com or any of the major podcast platforms. Talk to you next time.